Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Luna the Podcast. I'm your host. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luna the Podcast. I am so grateful you're here today and hope you're having a lovely, lovely day already. Today's episode is a continuation of last week's episode. If you didn't hear that one, I highly recommend checking it out. I am interviewing Anaya Brielle, who is an amazing astrologer and a good friend of mine who I've learned so much from and who I've had the pleasure of working with. She's done my birth chart two times already and is just a lovely, amazing soul with so much knowledge about astrology. She's been studying it for around five years. And on this episode, we're diving in a little bit deeper. On the first episode of this series, we kind of talked about the basics of astrology. So what the main components of a birth chart are, which are the houses, the planets, and the signs. So that's an amazing beginners to astrology episode. And on this episode, we dive in a little bit deeper. So we talk about different pointers in your birth chart that signal to your soul's purpose, signals to careers that you would be really good at, as well as where you're here to grow and learn and heal. And we also chat a little bit about the astrology of 2021. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you learn a lot and make sure to check out at Luna the podcast on Instagram as well, because I've been sharing some snippets with takeaways from the episodes and slideshows with summaries of everything that we're learning about. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. So another thing that I have fallen in love with learning about is the North Node and the South Node. And Mm -hmm. I think it's something that a lot of people don't really know about when they think about astrology. So could you explain what the nodes are? Yeah, I definitely, I I do love the nodes. I think that they're so valuable, so helpful in terms of like understanding your purpose and understanding like where you're supposed to go in life, but also like it teaches us to let go. And I think that like letting things go is something that I think a lot of people struggle with. You know, you are so stuck in comfortability, the things that you're familiar with that you hold yourself back. So the nodes really push you to let things go and then move forward in a very positive and beneficial way for you in your life. So the nodes are basically like they 
come from the moon and the moon's interaction with the ecliptic on earth. It's a whole kind of thing. Um, but you can think of them and, and look for them in your chart. They look for, they look like an N and a U in your chart. Um, the North node is the N, the South node is the U. And they really push you to understand what you're comfortable with and therefore what you need to leave behind in order to grow. Cause I saw this uh, tip the other day and it said, um, nothing ever was created or grown in comfortability, like, or like, you know, things that are easy, like you grow when you're uncomfortable. And that's like what the nodes represent really, which I love so much. So um, the North node is kind of like an area of life and a sign that you should really embrace and like move towards. So you don't want to completely let go of your South node. They're always opposite in the chart. Um, You don't want to completely let let it go. You want to almost like take the qualities of the sign and the house that the South node is in and bring it with you to the North nodes sign and and house. Um, And so for example, let's see um, if your South node is in Aries in the first house, then you might be someone who is very comfortable with being alone and being independent and taking care of yourself. Whereas you're almost uncomfortable with partnership or you're uncomfortable with giving yourself to someone with compromise. And so the the North Node is teaching you to push yourself to partnership, push yourself to having people in your life, having a support system, sharing yourself with people while also still maintaining your independence and your, you know, your really your strong Aries energy. So it's has to be both there's a balancing act that has to be involved with the nodes but I think it's so like one of the easiest ways one of the easiest things to look for in your chart to tell you okay what am I supposed to do in this life like where am I supposed to go who am I supposed to be um what is my purpose I do have a lot of clients who they'll put in their you know like I when I when they book a, a consultation I ask them like what do you want you know from this consultation And a lot of people will put, I want to find my purpose. Like, what's my life path? And Mm -hmm. I always jump to the nodes in that, you know, in that consultation and tell you, like, this is kind of the easiest way you can think about what your path is in life. It's it's the easiest thing to kind of guide you. It's like your North Star. So, yeah, the nodes are definitely really, really valuable and important. I love that. Yeah, it's it's so cool because I definitely, there's this app that I use. I don't know if you've used it before called The Pattern. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool, but it doesn't use astrological terminology. So a lot of times I'll be looking through the app and trying to figure out like which placement is right. this one, like pattern talking about and whatnot. But there's one that's like your mission or something. And mm-hmm. for mine, it's find your purpose. So like define your purpose. And my North Node is in Leo in my mm-hmm. fifth house. Um, which we've talked about in Mm -hmm. consultation before. And my South Node is in Aquarius in the 11th house. So something I've realized a lot recently too is that a lot of patterns within my chart point towards self-acceptance and kind of loving who I am and not really caring what everyone else is doing, what everyone else thinks and just giving myself validation. And I've realized too that the Node specifically really ties to that and has taught me that in many times before where I've fallen strictly into like, well, what's everyone else doing? And just doing that or kind of putting my needs aside to try to fit fit into a group or seeking so desperately for a friend group and always ending up just having really intense, powerful friendships one-on-one with people. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of realizing how that self note gave me so many lessons, but it's also where I can be really just, not growing if I'm just focusing on what everyone else is doing 
But then by embracing my fifth house, my individuality, my joy, and just kind of what mm-hmm. I want to do is I'm sure where I'm going to grow the most, but it's also where I have the hardest time getting to. Exactly. So yeah. It's a process for sure. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and that's the that's the kind of the issue with it um, and the difficulty with it is that the North Node is going to be uncomfortable. Like it's going to be scary. It's something that you, you know, when you're uncomfortable or you're unfamiliar with something, it's automatically something that you're wary of and you have difficulty pushing yourself towards. And so it's almost like with the North Node and the South Node, you can't really work around that energy you have to just work like push through it and push yourself to embrace the north node and embrace that house and that sign quality um and once you do like it's almost immediate the reward you get from that like as soon as you start embracing it, it's almost immediate like for me my north node is in leo as well but in the sixth house and when i embrace practicality when i embrace things being structured and i schedule things out then I see so much more growth in my life. You know, I really see things being a lot more, you know, improving so much. Um, and as well as the Leo quality, when I start like embracing the Leo parts of myself, so really embracing like being prideful and like really showing up as my, be- as my best self in situations or not focusing on group, you know, group think and really doing my own thing. I see immediately like the reward from that. And it's just so valuable to like know that the work you're putting in and who you want to be is going to like be the best path for you um but it just Mm -hmm. takes that extra effort like that extra push on your part in order to force those things to come to your life and force yourself to embrace those qualities but when you do the Mm -hmm. world opens up for you it's amazing so true and you're so right about the fact that like when you're in your comfort zone you're not putting yourself in a position for growth. So I think looking into our North Node can be so amazing and so powerful. And I remember also in our conversation, we were talking about how a lot of people also say, you know, if people believe in past lives, that your South Node kind of talks about lessons that you already mastered in a past life. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. That basically so um, yeah, it's, that's pretty much like the gist. I would say that, even if you, so let's say you do believe in past lives and um, you're wondering who you were or what, you know, present, like what themes are present in your life, in your past life. Um, the South Node can tell you so much about that, but also the North Node. So um, let's say your South Node again is in Aries in the first house. That could indicate that in your past life, you were someone who maybe never got married. You know, you were someone who was alone, but you were happy in your independence. Like you weren't someone who was craving, you know, partnership. You just were independent. You loved, you know, being that person. Maybe you were someone who um, could even have more of like a, a selfish approach to life in your past life. You were someone who really took care of yourself first and foremost. And that was the most important thing to you. Whatever it may be, like that could give you those clues to who you were and what you what you were in your past life. Um, whereas that North Node is something that was very out of reach, unattainable, or difficult to have in your past life as well. So like if your North Node's in Libra and seventh house, it can be that um, maybe you were always like surrounded by relationships, people in relationships, but for some reason, it was just something that you couldn't get in your life. Like maybe you, for some reason, couldn't get married, or maybe 
you, you know, had things in your life that prevented someone from wanting to be in a relationship with you and you saw relationships, you saw them and you wanted them, whatever it may be. So it really gives you these kind of clues as to, it can give you clues as to who you were, what you were in your past life. And therefore it kind of helps you again, like thinking about it in present day in this present moment, um, Mm -hmm. thinking of it as like a story, you know, not just like these qualities, but like, what's my story and how can I kind of push my story forward and what's the happy ending to this story um so yeah thinking about it in that way can definitely be really helpful totally yeah and I think also the interpretation you're giving based on Aries south node would imply right a Libra north node and because it would be Aries in the first house but the interesting thing too right is that the north node and the south node take a few years to go through every sign so the people who were born between like three years or so have the Mm -hmm. same north node but the house placement is where you can dive deeper into it. Like we have the same North node, but the way the Leo energy plays out for us is different because the house. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that's so true. And that's where, I mean, that's something that really needs to be taken into consideration. Like always is like the house placements of your signs, right? People will say like, oh, me and my best friend are both, you know, cancer moons, but we aren't similar in that way. So like, what does that mean? And I'll always say, look to like what house your moon is in in your chart. That'll tell you like how that energy is expressed, where the energy is expressed. So same for the nodes. Like, like you said, we both have a Leo North node, but mine is going to play out in terms of like my daily life and like my organizational skills and how I present myself in that way. And yours is more about embracing your, you know, your individuality and things like that. And so it really just depends that house placement is going to be so important in everything in astrology. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why astrology is a, is a system. It's a map. It's an intricate map. And so that's why also the birth time is so important because if you don't know your birth time, you can't know your rising sign accurately. And then all the houses can be shifted. So I always say to people, if I'm doing a reading for them, mm-hmm. I need the exact time. So it's super important. Like you're saying a lot of people come to you to know about their purpose but I also feel like a lot of people also go to astrology for relationships and for career I feel like those are probably like the three main things (laughs) on so in terms of career what are the important pointers that people Mm -hmm. can look into I know about you know MC so Mm -hmm. can you explain what that is and how people can kind of understand theirs yeah so the MC, like you said, um, it stands for medium coeli, which is like a Latin phrase, but it also can be called the midheaven. And it is always going to be correlated with the 10th house. Well, that's not true. Um, it depends on the house system. So sometimes your MC, depending on like if you're using whole sign house system, for example, it can be in the ninth and the 10th or in the 10th and the 11th. Um, and that just depends. But in like, let's say Placidus, which is the most common house system used in present day time, um, it's always going to be the 10th house cusp. So the line that starts your 10th house is the MC in that house system. Either way, you can think of it as like 10th house themes in the sense of like, What's the most public part of your chart? You know, what can everyone see? What's most visible? And that tends to be your career, you know, where you're out there, where you're kind of. And so in that way, you want to look at the midheaven, the sign that it's in to really tell you and give you clues as to like what 
if you want to think about it in terms of career, what career would be best for you? Like, what could you be doing in your career that would really interact well with your chart? So if you have a, you know, your MC is in Gemini, you probably shouldn't be doing anything that you're going to feel stuck in, that you're going to feel like restricted, where you're going to feel like you're not learning. Like you, it really gives you so many more clues as to like what's, you know, best for you in your future. Um, And like you said, a lot of people are wondering about that. You know, people are so curious about career because I think that there's such a stigma attached to like doing something that you love if it's not going to be like beneficial in terms of finances so it's like people are so pushed towards like being financially successful whereas that may not be the best thing for everyone and so like I love doing career readings we're talking about the the 10th house of the MC for people because it's so like I think it's like a breath of fresh air when you're learning about it and you're like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. Like, of course I hate the job, like this desk job I'm in, I'm a Gemini MC, you know, like I need to be free. I need to be learning new things. So the MC is definitely like one of the best places to look in terms of career, but also your 10th house. If your MC is not in your 10th house, then the 10th house and the sign that, that it's in is really important. Um, but also the planet that rules that sign. So, and the planet that rules your MC. So if you're a Gemini MC, Mercury rules your midheaven. So you want to look at where Mercury is in your chart and that'll give you clues as to other things that you can incorporate into your work um, and, and, you know, different themes or different areas of life that you can incorporate in order to be, you know, feel most fulfilled and feel most, you know, so much growth in that area of your life and that career that you choose. Um, And I would say like your son can give you a lot of information as to what would be best for you in your career as well, because it is what you're growing into. You know, it is who, how you shine best. And so following themes that go with your son is also really important. Like, for example, I'm a Gemini son, like I said, and Gemini is the kind of the, the sign that brings in different information and, and, and dispose or dispels it in a way that's very um, understandable for other people. So I bring in all this information about astrology and I kind of give it out in a very digestible way. Um, And so even though it's not related to my MC, it's still like something that's important for my career. Um, And so I think that's also really important. And then your sixth house. So the sixth house is our work. It's our work environment. It's um, the work that we produce and also like how we thrive best in work environments. So if you have a Sagittarius sixth house, let's say, you need to be free in your work environment. You need to feel free in like literally like the place that you work, but also the work that you're doing, what you're producing. So the sixth house will also give you a lot of clues as to like the nitty gritty part, um, the work within the career that'll be most important for you. Um, I think those, and then you're you know, always your rising sign. Your rising sign should always be taken into account um, because it's who you are. And so you want to bring in your rising sign information as well to tell you like, this is who I am. This is like my qualities. So they have to be able to be expressed in whatever job I'm doing as well. You know, so I can't like resent myself or push the qualities of myself down. So everything has to be taken into account. Um, but the 10th, the MC, the sixth house and the rising sign, your son are probably the five things that are, are most important, I would say. Wow. Yeah. And so again, right. It's so tied together. There's not only one thing. And when you look at those things, I think for your for yourself or you know if you book a reading with Naya mm-hmm. or you know, <laughs> look into it read into it you'll start to see patterns and so how all those yes. placements interact um like for example my Capric- my MC is in Capricorn in my 10th house but Capricorn's ruled by Saturn mm-hmm. Saturn for me is in the second house conjunct my sun and then right. I also end 
then it also has ties, I guess, to kind of how I am with my Virgo in the sixth, my Aries mm-hmm. rising. So it's really interesting to to learn about all of it. So thank you. I know you're very much more focused into natal chart astrology, like birth chart uh, readings, as well as synastry mm-hmm. readings. But do you look into like overviews of the year and more like transits as well? Yeah. yeah right? So um, there's so many like branches of astrology. Um, mm-hmm. And the one that I personally, of course, chose to focus on is natal astrology. But there's electional astrology, which deals with, um, you know, choosing the best time for something to happen. Um, yeah. There's yeah, it's it's really cool. It's literally like looking at various charts and it's like, let's say you want to get married. I did this for a client one time. She texted me and she was like, I'm going to get married. Um, is there like a certain day that'd be best for me? And I went through everything and I was like, okay, this day at this specific time would be like absolutely like amazing for a marriage specifically, or it can be for um, starting a business or going on a trip. Like you can always choose the best time for something to happen because everything is a birth chart, right? So your marriage, you know, if you get married, that has a birth chart. Um, The minute that it happens, the minute that you say I do, it's like, yes, this is the chart of our marriage. And those things will like occur in that marriage. If you have an Aries first house in your marriage, you know, you guys are going to be very independent from each other. You guys are going to be, you know, your own people within that marriage. Like it all comes together. So that's one of the really... I know, right? <laughs> That's one of the one of the branches of astrology. Um, and there's so many other ones. I was going to ask you, you know, in terms of 2021 astrology, mm. if you've looked into it and if you have a view on it and like themes that have that are important overall throughout the year. I mean, Got we're it, halfway okay. through it now, so maybe uh-huh. the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, so in terms of that, I really haven't spent a lot of time on it. I do look at transits for like within birth, you know, birth chart astrology, but of course, like with my, with TikTok, with Instagram, I do post, um, different transits that are happening. So like, for example, Mars has entered Leo today, things like that. Um, but for Mm -hmm. the last half of the year, I think the biggest theme, um, is with Jupiter and Saturn. So Mm-hmm. Um, the great conjunction that happened in December was Jupiter and Saturn meeting in Aquarius. That was really massive and it's still playing out today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Jupiter has entered Pisces and it's currently there. It goes retrograde actually, um, on the 20th. So it'll, it's in Pisces right now. It'll retrograde back into Aquarius by the end of the year. Um, and for next year, like Jupiter will fully be in Pisces. So Jupiter uh, rules Pisces, which is why it's such an important thing. And of course, like we were talking about, you know, in the last episode, Jupiter is the um, planet of expansion and of abundance. And so with it being in the sign that it rules, it's really strong and it brings a lot of abundance to our lives. And so I think one of the biggest things that astrologers are looking at is when it retrogrades back into Aquarius, what does that mean for us, you know, as a collective? And people were saying that, course like now things are opening up with covid um like chicago for example where i'm at it's like fully opened today um and so people were thinking that after everything opens back up it's going to you know close back down again with it going back into aquarius as aquarius Mm -hmm. is the sign that rules with restriction and things like that. that's what i was what i had in mind as well yeah exactly so that's kind of like one of the biggest things to look for is jupiter retrograding back into aquarius and seeing like what happens there but as far as the rest of the year, there, you know, the only thing is really these eclipses. So we just had two eclipses, a solar and a, a lunar, and we're going to have two more by the end of the year. And so 
that is always something that brings massive shifts, massive changes. Um, and so it really just depends on, I think, how it interacts with your chart. But like the bigger kind of the bigger things that you should always look for is like the last few planets. So Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Pluto, and Uranus and what they're doing. Because um, those, you know, those planets will have much more of an effect on like a global level, as well as like different things in your chart specifically. So yeah, I would say the Jupiter, the Jupiter retrograde that's about to come up on the 20th will be the big thing to watch for the rest of the year. Amazing. Yeah, so interesting. And I had been seeing things talking about how Jupiter had entered Pisces and how it was a good time to mm-hmm. kind of think about what you want to manifest for the next year. Exactly. And I haven't really done it. So yet, but I know it's a very powerful energy. So mm-hmm. how would you recommend, you know, in terms of manifesting and leveraging the astrological currencies mm-hmm. do it like what's the best way to work with the energy of Jupiter and Pisces before it goes into Aquarius again yeah um so Pisces like we were talking about is is so expansive as well you know it's it's expansive in the sense of empathy and so it really deals with intuition and feeling and emotion and so I think that when you're manifesting with this you know this specific transit right now bringing your intuition and your feeling and your empathy into it is probably like one of the best ways to do it, but also like, and you should always do this, but this is mostly important now, but manifesting for like the good of other people as well. So, you know, not just for yourself and like bringing things for you, but like with that Pisces energy, when you start manifesting for like other people, because you empathize with their situation, then your manifestations will see a boost as well. So having that kind of brought into it will be really, really helpful. Even if you want to do something with like water. So Pisces is a water sign. So like doing, um, like making moon water and using your moon water for manifestation or um, literally like even if you go swimming, like thinking about your manifestations in the water, like any way you can bring water into your manifestations would be really, really helpful too. Um, but I think kind of the overarching theme would be using your intuition for your manifestations. So I think a lot of time we get caught up in like what we think we should have or what we think would be best for us because of like the world or other people in our lives. But you really want to think about what feels right to you. Like, what do I truly want? What is my intuition guiding me towards in my life? And then using that to manifest rather than like thinking logically about your manifestations. You almost want to like be completely illogical about your manifestations. You want to really dream big with Pisces and not think too hard about the future or like what it is you're trying to manifest. Really feel out the process. I think that would be the best for Pisces and, you know, Jupiter and Pisces and, and manifesting with this specific transit. Amazing. So water, right? So mm-hmm. shower manifesting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> going, into pool, going to the ocean and like thinking about what you really want. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Pisces energy is also that very spiritual energy. So trusting the universe and kind of, yeah, right. like dreaming big, not, you know, Jupiter is also all about like big expansion. Mm-hmm. So thinking about what seems even like unthinkable. Or like mm-hmm. something that feels so like, how is that even going to happen? But exactly. really thinking big and and using the moon, right? like moon water and things like that. I'm definitely going to do that in the next couple of days for yes. sure. <laughs> um, especially, you know, thinking about manifestations for 2022 because that's mm-hmm. when it will return to this sign. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, would you say it's more medium term manifesting as opposed to like for the rest of this year? Um, I would say... You want to think about your manifestations as like 
previews to next year. So um, definitely like what you're manifesting could obviously come true whenever, but I think what'd be more, what'd be more powerful would be manifesting for next year and thinking about where do I want to be in six months time? Like, what do I want my 2022 to look like? Um, And then also I think one thing to bring back into it with Jupiter and Pisces is paying attention to your dreams, like really listening to your dreams. Pisces is associated with Neptune and the 12th house. It's about our subconscious. So thinking about like, what are my dreams telling me or even like um, really digging deep into meditation and getting into like a really deep meditative state to where you're almost like half asleep. And the, like the things that come to you there would be really powerful as well. Like reprogramming mm-hmm. your subconscious mind to like thinking about your limiting beliefs and mm-hmm. the things that are holding you back. Um, and it's going into back into Aquarius next week. Um, not it retrogrades on the 20th, but I don't, I think it goes back into Aquarius in sometime end of July, okay. I would say. So when this um, episode goes out, it yeah, got time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got awesome. time. So yeah, I would say definitely get on that, but just know that it's, you know, what's happening now and what's been happening for the past couple of weeks. Like just know that it's like a preview, all the good things that are, you know, that have been happening um, is a preview mm-hmm. for what, you know, all the good is going to come next year, especially in this specific area of life. So you want to look at your charts and see like where, what house is Pisces in my chart. And that will tell you like, what area of life will see so much growth and expansion and luck and abundance next year, which is so exciting. So yeah, I would definitely I mean, say your first house. I know. I'm yeah, so excited. <laughs> well, another thing I wanted to ask you about too, that is so awesome in astrology is Chiron. And I feel like mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. It's kind of this challenging energy but I also think it's very interesting to look into especially since the podcast is really focused on healing and spirituality right so could you talk a little bit about what Chiron's about and how its placement can affect us yeah so Chiron is definitely tricky but something that is so helpful for you know like Carol was saying our healing so it's called the wounded healer And the reason it's called that is because it really shows you like, or kind of tells you in a little bit what area of life or what kind of qualities of life have brought you some wounds, you know, some pain, some difficulty, but it also, you know, guides you on a path to healing and how to heal from that. What can you implement into your life to adequately heal from your wounds? And it's called the wounded healer because even though you're wounded, it can tell you how you can help other people, how you can heal other people as well. So it's really cool in that way. Um, And actually I was reading, or I finished reading a book um, called The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, I think. And it's about a Greek, it's about Greek mythology. And Chiron was in the book. So he was a centaur and he was focused on surgery. So like he was like in the medical kind of field in the book and he taught Achilles and Patrick was how to, you know, heal themselves and how to heal in general. And I thought that was really interesting because he was very much like a teacher. He was a, a guide in the book. And that's what Chiron, I like to think of Chiron as as well, like a teacher, a teaching of how to heal. And so when it comes to the placement of Chiron on your chart, the house and the sign, of course, will tell you like what could have brought you some wounds. It can be from a past life. It can be from your childhood. It can be recent. It can be in the future where that wound happens, but you really want to pay attention to that area of life and 
bring in those qualities as well in order to heal. And so, for example, let's say your Chiron is in Libra. Um, a relationship could have wounded you in the past, you know, a partnership could have wounded you. Um, you could have, you could be wounded because you've never had a partnership. You know, people, a lot of clients, you know, have Chiron and Libra and they've struggled with, with finding a partner. They struggled with having a relationship and it's a big wound for them. They're always asking, you know, is this my future? Like what's going to happen with this? And so it's all about bringing in Libra qualities into your life, implementing more balance, more harmony, more peace, um, you know, mm. seeking out partnership intentionally. I think like with Chiron, when you're wounded, you almost like shy away from that area of life. Like you don't want to implement those things into your life because it, it wounded you in the past. So even if you want a relationship so bad, you could like prevent yourself from going out and finding a relationship. Mm-hmm. So you have to bring in those qualities and accept those qualities into your life in order to see the, the healing from that wound. Um, and then of course, with the wounded healer part of it, like a way to heal people specifically with Libra, let's say, is by bringing more peace and harmony to other people's lives, by teaching them about self-acceptance and self-love and how that can help them heal. So it really is like a full circle thing. Um, But yeah, Chiron is so important to look at in your chart to figure out like how to move forward in life, like how to, Mm -hmm. you know, heal and and grow and improve. So definitely. Yeah. So interesting. And it's also cool because Everything that's in a birth chart is also in the sky now, right? So the sky, we have the transit or we have the aspects within our own chart, but then Mm -hmm. we also have aspects that are happening between the sky and our own chart. So that's why our life will will change as we go on and the things happening in the sky will affect us differently. Mm -hmm. And Chiron moves through different signs at different points in our lives. So right now, for example, Chiron's in Aries Mm -hmm. and it's a very uncomfortable placement for Aries, right? Because Aries wants to go, it wants to do, it wants to right. be that like pioneer. And so having Chiron there helping Aries heal, maybe like anger or reactiveness or different mm-hmm. traits that can be like more the shadow sides of Aries. And for right. people, like I have both my Jupiter and my rising and my Mercury in Aries. So I've kind of been feeling that energy and I know it's, going to be in my chart for a while still so it's interesting how we can all collectively heal based on on the skies placement of Chiron right now too definitely and that's like something I think that um I really hope for people you know in the future I think everyone's really focused on birth chart astrology right now it's like the big kind of move but I really hope people start to also dive into like transits and looking at what's happening in the sky and how it interacts with your chart because it gives you so much guidance like of course your birth chart is like everything from you know your life from start to finish but it can be hard like you were talking about before with seeing when things are going to happen, like when that area of your chart is going to manifest. But with transits, like, you know, when those things are going to happen, you know, like what's going to be occurring in your life. And with Chiron specifically, where it's at in your chart can really point you towards, okay, what area of life do I need to be focusing on on right now in terms of healing? So like for you, self-love and really like slowing down and focusing on accepting any wounds that you have and things like that. Um, If it's in someone's, you know, fourth house, they like wounds with family might be coming up, you know, soon. And they need to really be slowing down and thinking about how to heal from those wounds. So it really gives you so much more insight than your birth chart. There's so much more out there to learn and, and grow from. So definitely. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people don't realize that. And sometimes I think people can feel so overwhelmed and lost into what's in between what's happening in their lives and don't know how to handle it. And I feel like astrology 
obviously don't want to base my entire life mm-hmm. on it, but sometimes I feel like I do. Like I really look <laughs> into it a lot and I just find that it can give me some peace of mind and realizing like this is happening and it's for a higher purpose. It's for exactly. my own growth and I just have to accept it and work with it instead of keep denying it and mm-hmm. brushing it off. So I also hope that people go further and continue right. looking into transits. And I know there's a lot of good apps that can help with that. Mm-hmm. So do you use any apps or do you just do readings for yourself and look, look at at the transits yourself usually? Yeah, I definitely use uh, one specific app, which everyone, I recommend everyone to get. It's free. So it's, that's the best part about it, but it's also really in-depth and very detailed and such valuable, good information. I think one of the biggest things with apps, astrology specifically, is misinformation. Like you don't know who's making this, you know, who is putting some information out there. Like for example, CoStar, which is, you know, was really big. And I think it's still pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. I had it at a certain point, like it definitely, I think, has skewed people's understanding of astrology and their charts, you know, it doesn't really show you your actual chart. So it just, it just is confusing in that way. So this specific app is called Time Nomad. And it's amazing. It's incredible. Um, It's the creator of it really put a lot of, you know, attention and detail in it. And I think that it's a really great tool for learning astrology, you know, like when you kind of pass the basics and you want to get into all the details of like progressed charts or sinistry charts or transits, like it really tells you everything. Um, so Time Nomad is incredible. I think uh, Time Passages is also a really good one as well. And then if you're trying to get super in-depth, you can, of course, buy software. And one of the best is called Astro Gold. It's expensive, but it's worth it. So I think really, if you're getting into it, like Time Nomad, even if you're like advanced, you know, into astrology, Time Nomad is still absolutely incredible. But if you're really trying to get, you know, into the nitty gritty, then Astro Gold would be a good one as well. It does have an app. But yeah, Time Passages, Time Nomad are the best. Amazing. Thank you so much. Now I'll just do a couple rapid fire questions to finish off the episode. It's been so lovely talking to you. So knowledgeable and you really embrace your Gemini qualities when you're talking, you know, (laughs) very digestible and engaging. So, okay. First rapid fire question. What is a quote or mantra you live by? Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. It's from Ferris Bueller. (laughs) Love it. What makes you feel like your higher self? What makes you feel like my higher self? When I really am just like staying present, when I'm like fully focused on like the present moment and I'm like being appreciative of everything that's happening and I'm like, you know, very in the moment. I think that's my best self. Yes. Snaps. (laughs) And do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? My morning routine is definitely I'll wake up to birds chirping. It's not, you know, like a typical alarm. So I kind of wake up a little more more peaceful and I always have my windows open. So I wake up to natural sunlight. Then I will um, sit and drink some water, whatever water is by my bed to rehydrate my body. And I'll get up, wash my face, brush my teeth and come and do breathing techniques. It's like breathing exercises to really like energize my body in a natural way. I don't like caffeine. Um, So that kind of helps me get, you know, get started. And then I will read 10 pages and go to the gym. Wow. I love that. It's kind of a similar morning routine, but I, instead of doing the 10 pages, I stretch. Oh, it's perfect. So thank you so much. And I, it's been so lovely. So 
Where can people find you? Plug yourself. Thank you for having me. Um, this has been a wonderful. So as far as like the basics of everything, TikTok is kind of obviously where I got started. So finding me there will kind of take you everywhere else. But it's called uh, my TikTok is Anaya Brielle. And my Instagram is also Anaya Brielle, but it was, has two E's at the end. Um, my website is also anayabrielle.com. <laughs> And my Patreon is Anaya Brielle. Everything is Anaya Brielle. I'm pretty much everywhere. And I'm starting a YouTube soon. So you can also find me there at Anaya Brielle. But yeah, those are like the the main channels that I, I really share information. So exciting. Everyone go book a birth chart reading with her. She did mine. So I love it. Life changing. <laughs> he's amazing. And I'll definitely link all of your platforms in the show notes so people can go and find you there. So thank you again. And I hope we can have you on the show again very soon. Yes, I would love it. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. So that is it for today's episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned a ton and liked seeing Anaya for a second time on the pod. Make sure to go follow Luna the Podcast on Instagram to stay in the loop of new episodes of content and go check out Anaya's platforms as well she's awesome I hope you have an amazing amazing rest of your day and I'll see you on the next episode I'm sending you lots of love Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.